Welcome back to No Nonsense Storytime. I'm Chris Panico. I'm Robert Hoffman. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite books, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom by John Archambault and Bill Martin Jr. I just want to cut in and say, I don't know if I call Chicka Chicka Boom Boom one of my favorite books. Really? Maybe okay. one of my favorite kids' books. Okay, fair enough. One of our favorite kids' books. One of my favorite... I'm going to stop speaking for Bobby. One of my favorite kids' books. Chicka Chicka Boom Boom was not part of my childhood. What? I mean, I remember it from when I was a kid, but I actually very specifically remember a lot of kids really liked Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, and I didn't really know what it was. I sort uh -huh. of... What's the movie... I'm going to look like an idiot now. <laughs> What's the movie with the flying car... The fly Harry Potter? No, 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 no. <laughs> you, the, the and then the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I used oh, to okay. get Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Chicka Chicka Boom Boom mi mixed up. That is I think that's understandable now very that I've said it out loud. Um, but I never saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as a kid. I never did either. So I, I just kind of lumped both of those, the book and the movie, into like the same thing. Must have been confusing. A thing that I didn't really know about. <gasps> Which, you know, is understandable yeah. when they're so wildly different and I thought they were the same thing. It I, was just like a confusing thing that I knew people liked that I was not interested in. I can see that as being very confusing. Yeah. I, I have a very strong memory of it from kindergarten. Um, yeah. And I had a bad... Most of my memories from kindergarten are not good, actually. Uh -huh. But I remember reading that book in kindergarten and I loved it. Very much. Want to talk about some of your bad memories? I actually do very much. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Thank you. Pull one out. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna save one for a rainy day. Okay. But um, on it must have been the first or second day of kindergarten, and we were coloring something, and we were supposed to use the color purple, but my box of crayons didn't have the color purple. <laughs> no. And, <laughs> I tried to explain that to my teacher, mm -hmm. and she was not having it. She just wasn't, yeah. Yeah, so she yelled at me, and I got in trouble, oh. and I was like, I I don't have the color purple. I try so hard to not be that teacher, but you know, sometimes it just happens. You know, sometimes there's, sometimes you're like trying so hard yeah. to like be there in the, but, but sometimes you're just, you mm -hmm. just... You're yeah. like, come on, go use the purple, you know? Yeah. You can't keep track of everything. Yeah. So I for, I forgive that teacher. That's good. I had another teacher who was far worse than that, though. Yeah, yeah. The real I've told. Have I told one. you this? I've probably told you this story. Um, I don't know yet. It's you a, haven't started it. This is a... Well, you know it because it's okay. a very formative moment in my childhood. Sure. Let's, I was in third grade. Let's tell it to everyone, though. Yeah, let's tell it to everyone. So we, we had workbooks back then, right? Yeah. You know, you... There's questions, you fill in blanks and words and whatever. And we were all working on our workbooks. And when we finished the page, we were supposed to bring it to the teacher's desk for her to check. Mm -hmm. And part of it was multiple choice, A, B, C, D. I brought it up and one of them was wrong. She said, go back, try again. Tried a different one. It was wrong. I went back. And I, I was a relatively smart kid. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I didn't get it in the first two tries, I was very confused. So, tried one of the other answers, because it must be one of the other answers. Still wrong. It was the first answer, wasn't it? 
Well, so I, I brought it up the fourth time. And she yelled at me and she threw the book across the room at me. In the middle, in front of all the other kids. Okay. And it kind of, looking back, it blows my mind that she didn't consider the fact that she checked it four times. And if had she'd been paying attention, would have seen the eraser marks around every single one. Right. So, I like, I didn't cry or anything, but I was really upset. Yeah. And embarrassed. So, I, I didn't know what to do, right? Yeah. Every answer was wrong, according mm-hmm. to the teacher. And I just got yelled at. So, I just went back to the first answer. And it was right. Yep. And, <laughs> and now I have very little tolerance for things like that. Yeah. Um, Not fair. Yeah, that was scary. Was yeah. Scary. Oh, my gosh. Throwing um, a book at a third grader. I have actually a very pull- similar moment to that. Really? When I was in fifth grade. But that's a that's a story for another time. Let's we'll, let's get this book. Yeah. Let's get this down. Okay. We'll we'll use that on another one. It's yeah. important to 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 share ourselves with the mm-hmm. world. But you're right. It's time to get to chicka chicka boom boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's talk about the authors a little bit. Sure. Uh, let me let me start. Yeah, go ahead. So John Archambault. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about him. This is a guy who I I respect. This is a guy. He's written a good number of books. Indeed. So the thing about John Archambault is he grew up wanting to be a writer. Oh, lucky him. Yeah, I, and I like I like that. I like stories like that when someone grows up wanting to be a writer and they become one. Mm-hmm. He he went to school for journalism, and then in grad school. He met Bill Martin, who, as you know, is a pretty famous children's book writer. Were they in school together? No. He was already an established writer. I believe this is after he wrote, well, you'll say what kind of stuff he wrote. Yeah. But uh, after he was already established for sure and Mm -hmm. well known. And they met. And I don't know how it happened, but they hit it off and just started writing books. About half the books he's written, he's written with Bill Martin. Bill Martin Jr. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and Bill, so he he's sort of, I don't want to say he got famous on the curtail, the, the coattails, the curtails, it's a different <laughs> word, famous on the coattails of uh, another writer, but he absolutely did. And like I said, yeah. I respect that 100%. <laughs> that would be like me being like, man, I want to be a songwriter. And then meeting like one of my favorite songwriters mm-hmm. and then... That songwriter being like, hey, let's just write a bunch. Let's start a band, you know? Yeah, I mean, in that situation, I would be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, yeah, 100%, let's do it. It's it's kind of funny that you say that because there's a lot of children's books that are written by two different authors. Mm -hmm. And this might just be my naivete from not being part of that world. I know you're going to say, and I agree. But like... (laughs) Do you need two people to write a children's <laughs> yeah, book? Yeah, right. <laughs> like once you have the first page, yeah, you have the next twenty I usually. I can't imagine two adults sitting down and writing. And first of all, they didn't do the pictures. The illustrations right. were by a third person. So I can't picture two adults sitting down together 
and really hammering out the words to Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why I do they... don't yeah. understand that creative process. And, and for more context, so my... <clears throat> Um, my half of that coin, my side of that coin, is Bill Martin Jr., who, as you said, is one of the m- more renowned children's authors out there. Um, most famous for books like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? Uh-huh. And um, Panda Bear, Panda Bear, What Do You See? Uh-huh. <laughs> which, as I said earlier... Have you read? Started. Have you read Polar, Polar Bear? Polar, Polar Bear. Bear that one is one of my favorites. I'm just saying he's getting like a three for one deal out of those. Yeah. Yep. He just kept going with them. Yeah, and they keep selling. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of work with Eric Carl, who we've talked about. If you go all the way back to episode number two, we did the Very Hungry Caterpillar. Yeah. Another really wildly successful. And, yeah, and so so figure. here's the thing though is like it's so easy to look at a book like brown bear brown bear what do you see so for anyone who has never read it it's brown bear brown bear what do you see i see uh whatever the next animal is and then you ask about that animal would be like black Mm -hmm. panther black panther black panther what do you see i see and then the next animal that's the whole book and he just wrote a bunch of these books they're all the same um and it's so easy to make fun of that but at the same time you and i i feel like we have a pretty good like we know a lot about kids' books yeah. more than the average person. A, we do so. this podcast. B, we read them every day, a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, and they're hit and miss. Like, some books That's do true. really well with kids, and some books, they don't care at all. And every kid's That's different, really and different age groups are different. But there is a formula, and it does matter. Like, it's so easy to make fun of it, but it does matter. Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, kids love Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. That's true. So they maybe do. Bill Martin just has, like, such a good eye for ideas that are going to be good children's books and he meets john archambault and he's like this guy knows what he's doing we're gonna collaborate we're gonna create some great hits you know Mm -hmm. so i guess so i mean it must there must be a a benefit to having two people work on one of them or it wouldn't happen right right so bill bill martin jr we kind of got away from him a little bit he was born in 1916 or something like that yeah um he's from he's from the south um and he forgot where to start just uh He moved up to New York to work on children's books once he started getting rolling with things like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? Mm-hmm. And he was there until 1993, worked with all of these really big authors. Um, he taught at different schools along the way. He was a principal at Ch- in Chicago at one point. Um, moved up down to Texas later on and lived out the rest of his life in retirement and whatever down there. Um, and he just worked with so many different people. and has such a gigantic catalog of work. Um, yeah, he. there's not that much that I know outside of just the work that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that he did go to school to be a writer. I think that was something that he fell into. He started working for a publishing company, and then it was seven years after that mm-hmm. he started writing children's books. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's uh, that's the two of them, and chicka chicka boom boom. Yeah, will there be enough room in this podcast after all the talking we did before getting to the book? 
Yeah. Well, should we talk about the setting or should we go through the book first? Let's. We should. You should do the. We should do the summary first. The summary. And that's gonna be me, right? That's you, Bobby. Okay. So here it is. Chicka chicka boom boom. All right. Um. First things first. There's a coconut tree. Okay. Uh. In addition to the coconut tree, there's a bunch of letters. So here's what happens. First, the letter A goes up the coconut tree. Then the letter B. And let us see. These are all lowercase letters, by the way. It goes all the way through the alphabet. They all climb up. The tree gets so heavy, it bends down. All the letters fall out and get hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then the book goes through and describes all of the injuries of the letters. <laughs> alphabetical order. <laughs> While this is happening, the capital letters, who I guess we can assume are the parents. Mamas and papas and uncles and aunts. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the mamas and papas, uncles and aunts. Thank you. I, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, of the letters come and, you know, dust off their pants and make sure they're okay. Um, take them all home. So they all get hurt. They all get brought back home. It's nighttime. And then letter A goes out again, climbs up the tree. And we're, you know, it's supposed, it's sort of like teasing that this is all going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well executed. Thank you. Stuck the landing. Chris, what's the moral of the story here? Um, the moral of this story <laughs> is um, you can't keep the letters down. You can't. <laughs> no, I think I think that the intended moral is that exploring and taking risks can lead to injury and pain, but those are things that you can overcome and you can try again. Yeah, yeah, I I do like that. Um... I agree. I think a big part of it, the moral, is just this is the order the alphabet goes in. I suppose that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I suppose that is the more. But I do. I do agree. I do like that the underlying thing in this book, as opposed to a lot of kids' books, that like the kids do this unsafe thing in the book. I mean, kid, they're letters, but they they're the kids. You relate yeah. to them. The kids do this unsafe thing. They get hurt, but. Then they do it again. And it's sort of like encouraging doing unsafe things, you know? Yeah. Or at least it's... Being adventurous. It's narrate. It's illuminating that there's a safe space to do those things yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That's something we talk about at school a lot, that it's a place to take risks. Right. Because... Because there's people watching you and making yeah. sure... Yeah. Yeah. Like, nothing's gonna happen that you're gonna get seriously injured. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's sort of what they're going for here. Mm-hmm. Cool. 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 So we we sorted that out. Let's talk about the setting. Yeah. So, I mean, the very key part of the setting is the fact that it's a coconut tree. Yes. Right? Coconut trees are relatively scarce in comparison to the size of the world. Yeah. They don't grow in too many places. No. Um. So... What of the coconut areas do you think? So here's the thing. Almost all of the coconuts in the world are native to the Philippines and Correct. That's what I was going to say. So I think our best, most logical bet is one of those two places. I agree. 
I feel like the answer is the Philippines. Why do you feel? Why do you Philippine that way? Because well, because hmm. Sorry, I was counting letters in my head, trying to see whether <laughs> Philippines or Indonesia have more letters in the name. <laughs> but no, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Um, I gravitated to the Philippines as well. What's your reason? Um, I don't actually have one. Me it's neither. just intuition. Me, me too. Just intuition. I feel like that's not okay. Hold on. I'm going to look up something real quick. Okay. Okay. So, Indonesia... Is about six times bigger than the Philippines. Oh, okay. So, I think first instinct there is, well, then this most likely takes place in Indonesia, right? Incorrect. Yeah. Incorrect. Oh, okay. Here's why. Philippines, much smaller. Coconut trees, probably not as many of them. There's only one coconut tree. There's only tree. one coconut tree in the book, and it's the, the coconut, coconut tree. tree. Oh, that's a... Man, so I'm I'm saying Philippines. You're right smart, Bobby. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm glad that you have a better reason than I did. Thank you. I'm glad that you had the uh, the no nonsense reason, the stick to itiveness to go find the reason. Thank you. It's like what Will Smith says in The Pursuit of Happiness. I may not know the answer, but I'll find it. Yeah, good movie. Good movie. M- my my thinking is that we decided it was going to be the Philippines, and then I was just going to go find a way to make that happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I also admire your transparency. <laughs> all right, we got the setting out of the way. Let's get into the nonsense. Let's get into the book. What's up with all these letters, huh? Yeah, so that's like, really <laughs> the nonsense from beginning to end. These letters move around and talk and do things. Yeah. Nothing else is really nonsense. You know, coconut trees are real, and they can exist. That's true. Would they bend down like that and have all these kids fall out and then snap back up to normal? I think they might. Yeah, they bend maybe. a lot in the wind. That's true. Right? That's true. I'll, I'll, I'll give it. It's possible. Or I might be thinking of palm trees, but I feel like coconut trees could do it too. Lots of trees bend. Not all yeah. of them. But I'm going to say they can. I feel more confident about this than I did about bears in England. Yeah. So, I'm going to say the tree's okay. But the letters. These are multicolored letters, lowercase letters of the alphabet. We do see uppercase letters later. So, how is this a thing? Um... Okay, so these could all be costumes? They could be, but man, I can't think of a way that a human could be in all of these different costumes that wouldn't show in some way that they're a person, Um. right? Like, I could wear the letter W... But my legs would still be sticking out from underneath. Maybe, yeah. Unless 
These costumes are so gigantic <laughs> that the people are so tiny in comparison that you can't even see them in the illustrations. Well, that's not unreasonable to think if we look at the scale between the tree and the letters. You know, I mean, these letters are pretty, pretty big. Pretty big, but how big is a coconut tree? Not that big, right? I mean, not that big, but pretty big. Like, I'm going to look up a picture. Coconut tree versus I mean, human. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of, uh, like, the trees from Survivor. Survivor? No. Castaway. Okay, I'm looking Tom at a Hanks. person climbing a coconut tree. Okay. The person... The person's pretty... I mean, not... Maybe not as big as those letters, but pretty close. Okay. So... But if these letters are supposed to be kids... That's true, but the capital letters aren't much bigger than them. That's true. And Okay, so, here, okay. so we've got a few options. Either my idea was wrong, and these mm -hmm. aren't gigantic costumes of little tiny people, or... The coconut tree is also enormous. And it's not a normal coconut tree. Mm, that sounds like a new problem. It does. So let's let's can that one for a bit. Unless we think of something. Um, okay. So um, maybe these aren't people at all. Yeah. One. What if. Um, okay. Here's a question. Do. Do we have to, and I guess this is a no-nonsense story time rule that, mm -hmm. that we should talk about, have an honest discussion about it. Do we accept that what we're reading is an account of what's happening in real life, like live action? Uh -huh. Like there's a real coconut tree with somehow letters that are climbing up it? Or could this be existing in, in some other way I th answer that to the best of your ability and then i'll tell you what i think sure i think that we want it to be as close to that as possible mm -hmm. um just to cut out as much nonsense as possible right but i believe in the past we've used sort of things like well that's how the person is telling you remembers it like the the um walk it in the pocket one that's right. There's a walk in my pocket. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, where we talked about, you know, this is how the kid is seeing these things that are actually... Right. Yeah. Right. Animals in the house. Right. Okay. In f to make that... So let's... Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Okay. So what I'm thinking is, what if, what if this whole book is just a bowl of alphabet soup? Okay. With like... Like a... a piece of mint in it or like a like a mint leaf in it that makes sense something. visually but we do have the narrative we got to talk about a told b and b told c right so these letters are saying something okay so that so that's that's like something i want to i wa wasn't sure could fly like can we look at it as this is a narration by a person eating alphabet soup or are we trying to look are we gonna say no it says a told b and b told c and that's how it is and i 
Yeah, I think so because it's just I, it's okay. so in detail. Yeah, I agree. With like the, I, the I dust agree. in their pants and the yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. they're not even wearing pants, so we gotta figure that one yeah, out, right? <laughs> so, but but yeah, uh, so like, oh. here's something. Mm-hmm. These letters can't be people. We've determined that they can't people, be people. They can't be people in costumes. They're not people because they're letters. Mm-hmm. What if they're like robots? bunch of little robots shaped like letters yeah and they're going up the tree to collect data about these coconuts or something you know this is just this is just like an inkling here like scientific probes right they're (gasps) probes yeah yeah okay what do you got so well so if we have these little robots shaped like the alphabet, we have two questions to answer. I know the answer to one of them, okay. not the other. Question number one is, what are they doing? Uh-huh. Question number two, why are they shaped like letters? Yeah, which one do you know? I know the first one. Okay. Why are they here? They're here because for reasons hitherto unknown, all of the other coconut trees in the Philippines have gone extinct. Okay, so this is a futuristic story. Perhaps. And that's why it's the the coconut tree. It could be in the past and they found a solution. It could be in the past. It seems unlikely. I don't think that's true. I think we'd hear about that. Yeah, we could look back. Yeah. Unless it was a government cover-up. It could be a government cover-up. We haven't had one of those since the Gruffalo, I think. Yeah, so either either the future or the government cover-up. Yeah, but Uh, the future makes more sense, especially if we have all these little robots. So let's call it the future. Sure, let's do it. Um, So all of... The coconut trees are gone, and exactly that's why this is the coconut tree. Yeah. So they're it's, here. It's the last one. They're here to find out what happened. Right. So they're they're in this book. They want to collect samples from the last standing coconut tree and try to find out why is this one still here. Mm-hmm. Is there a gene like a, a recessive gene that this coconut tree has? Yeah. That and what can we do? Yeah. Okay. So yes perfect i'm gonna give sort of the beginning of an answer to your other question okay why they're shaped like letters yes um so here's the thing here's what we know right Mm -hmm. we can retell this story and now we know more things about it a told b and b told c great so we know that whoever designed these has designed the letter a one to communicate to the letter b one that the mission is a go that we're going and the b is telling the c they're going down it's the line. Chain. It's a chain. It's kind of like code. Like it's written. Right. And it goes in alphabetical order. So I'm thinking the reason these are shaped this way is twofold. One, so that the scientists know the order of the chain in a way that is easily, like they don't have to talk about it. They don't like, you know that A comes before B, B comes before C, C. You know, mm-hmm. the alphabet is, alphabet is universally known by these scientists. So it's an easy way yeah. to... to do it b every letter is shaped differently and maybe each shape is going to do a different job or like they're all doing the same job and they're trying to you know just like maybe one of these shapes is going to do the job better and they don't really know that yet they're just giving it their all for this coconut yeah or any tests that they run it's like um it's like how you have different variances when you want to perform experiments. Right. You know? 
Um, and I'm sure that one of them acts as the control. Yeah. And then you have, you know, 25 variances mm-hmm. to, to, you know, see, oh, well, we, like, ran this <coughs> saline through this sample, um, but this time we used sodium instead yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, so I, think, I think that's something, but then we have to keep in mind the other thing we learned, which is that there are capital versions of all the letters too, mm-hmm. and the capital versions are caretakers of the little versions. Right. So I think the code makes sense in that regard that you have, so we, we basically we have the mission robots and then we have the recovery robots. Mm-hmm. That go out and like tend to the wounds or the you know that repair the other robots. The little and then wallies. Go back to safety. Yeah, exactly. The wallies, the uh, the healers. Yeah, supports. Yeah, the support robots <laughs> that they send out into the field. I mean, that exists everywhere. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think so too. Um. So yeah, I guess. I guess we got to figure out what they're doing. It's, it is still kind of nonsense. The, if this is the last remaining coconut tree, mm-hmm. why are they? Why would they take the risk of sending all of these letters up there at once? Like, does, it seems sort of like. I mean, it's twenty six of them. Yeah, I and mean, they're so big. It it could be just an oversight, but that seems like a very big oversight for scientists who are capable of designing these robots. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Perhaps this coconut tree is weaker than coconut trees should be because of whatever has knocked out all the other coconut trees. Uh-huh. You know, like maybe maybe it's some disease that tears at the like the building blocks of their their trunks. Uh-huh. Um and all of the other ones have succumbed. This one hasn't, but it's still in a weakened state because of it. Okay, but why would but then that would be even more of a reason not to send so many up. Well, but what I'm saying is they don't know that. Oh, they don't know it's weak. Yeah. Okay. I guess that sounds unlikely. What about this? It's the it's not what we think it is. Okay. Um. So you're right. This is the last coconut tree. Right. But you know why it is? Why? Because the scientists have on purpose killed all of the other coconut trees. This is the last one, and they can't kill it for whatever reason. Oh, the scientists are the bad guys. They don't know why they can't kill it, so they're sending everything they've got. <laughs> they've designed this whole team of robots. <laughs> team of robots. Plus the support robots, just in case. And they send them all to fight the coconut tree. <laughs> and the coconut, the coconut yeah, tree. And they're fighting it, and the coconut tree sh- just throws them all to the ground <laughs> and, and ruins them. And then they send out their support robots to clean them up, fix them up. They all go back home. And, and A is like, and then and then they send them out again, yeah, to, to for round two after uh, collecting the data they've got and make making some adjustments. Oh my god, <laughs> that makes more sense. That makes yeah. a lot more sense, it, at least as far as the story goes. Why do the scientists want to destroy all coconut trees? So that trees? is some nonsense right there. Unless we could figure out a good reason. Um. Perhaps they 
either they have developed a trait where they produce something that is like like this airborne material that is deadly for people or people have become deathly yeah. allergic uh, to yeah. I things think that, that are I think that's it. Cast off. Somehow. The, the, the autoimmune response to coconuts has just, in the human population, has just shifted to this is poison for everybody. Yeah, and, and maybe that's... I mean, that could be a result of, like, some recent nuclear fallout or, or something, something yeah. like that. Not nearby, but near, like... I don't know. Yeah. In another hemisphere, so it didn't destroy the coconut trees, but it's like caused yeah. problems in in people across the world. Yeah, I think that's it. Makes a lot of sense, and that also makes sense why they're sending robots there instead right, exactly. of going there themselves. Right. Exactly. Because they can't physically yeah, interact. If they were just going to collect trees. data, then they could do that, and they could go and just extract samples with their human arms. Yeah. So this is the last coconut tree. Yeah, they're all in their biodome breathing whatever fresh air they have left yep just trying to take out this last coconut tree and they can't seem to do it yeah i wonder why i guess we have to figure out why this coconut tree won't die right yeah why won't this coconut tree die i mean can they just cut it down like you'd think you'd think that'd be what they do but you can't cut it down if it's super hard now why would it be super hard Maybe, I don't know. You can cut diamonds. What if it's stronger than diamond? What? This is... Is that possible? What, what if it's not a coconut tree? A coconut tree. <laughs> a coconut tree. And it's actually a decoy made of extremely hard laboratory-made material. Okay. Created by a rival group of scientists. Okay. I mean... is trying to... Make this other group of scientists. Okay, so this group of scientists is destroying all the coconut trees. Is going to look like heroes, right? Right. Because they saved the world from the thing that was killing everyone in the world. Right. But this other group of scientists has reason to not want this first group to look like heroes. So they make them look like doofuses by making this coconut tree that they can't kill. Oh. And they're not actually harming anyone because all the coconut trees are gone. Now. Exactly. So everybody's just living in fear for no reason. First group of scientists realizes this is not an actual coconut tree, but the rest of the world won't believe them. Mm -hmm. Just like people won't believe scientists about global warming. Yeah. You know, they see a coconut tree. They're not going to be like, no, I'm going to, I'm good in here. I'm going to just uh, wait like, until the coconut tree's gone. I'm not going to rich until the coconut tree's gone. <laughs> yeah. And so this first group of scientists is just bringing themselves down to the general public's level and saying, fine, we'll kill the coconut tree. And they can't do it. Because it's too good. That must be it. That must be it. <laughs> it also like kind of lets you live out a fantasy of like Gundam warfare, yeah. just with tiny Gundam little warfare, ones, but with tiny little um, letters and <laughs> giant coconut trees, like a giant robot tree. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's good. It's got to be it. That's got to be it. I I imagine that eventually the jig is up, and like. Yeah. Like, eventually, they're going to be like, this isn't a real coconut tree. If eventually, yeah, people are going to... Like, someone's going to go outside and, you know, just sort of expose themselves to, you know... Someone's going to be like, I don't care about Bird Box anymore. I'm going out there. <laughs> and then they're going to be fine. And then everybody's going to be like, oh, they're fine. 
And yeah. these all be fine too. Eventually people move out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if like maybe they don't maybe they don't realize that it's not real and they just think that humans have overcome that weakness. Like maybe it's hundreds of maybe. years later. And then this coconut tree becomes this immortal monument yeah. to that harrowing period of time in human history. Yeah. People are like, we have conquered you. And there's, yeah, but which, there's also, true. but there's also this sadness that goes along with it with like the near genocide of all coconut trees, except this last one, Yep. which can no longer bear fruit, but for some reason continues to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've about solved it. Yeah. There's a good movie in there. Yeah. Chicka chicka doom doom. Chicka chicka doom doom. So we need a new moral for the book. Now that we figured this out. Yeah. And my moral would be that you can't trust scientists. Mm-hmm. I, so, number one, you can't trust scientists. I, oh, okay, here's what I think. You should trust scientists when it comes to science. Okay. I, deg- I agree with that. I th- and I think you can't trust anybody is like the other half is like what the scientists try to tell you the science that yeah, the true. coconut right. trees are gone. You don't trust them. Now they're going to become what scientists are people, you know, mm-hmm. they are scientists and they have the knowledge of science that they claim to have, but they're also just people and they're going to be petty and they're going to have these silly fights just like anybody else. Yeah. So the same way you can't trust anybody all the way, you can't trust scientists all the way because right. they're people. Like that. I like it. Um, anything else? No, About I think robots, uh, maybe. I think we cracked this yeah, case. Cracked it. Good job. I'm Robert Hoffman. And I'm Chris Panico. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Nonsense Storytime. We are going to be back again next week with a story called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie by Laura Numeroff. Oh, I cannot wait for this book. Mm -hmm. I I honestly prefer If You Give a Moose a Muffin myself. Yeah. Moose and muffins were my two favorite things growing up. I like cookies more than muffins. I do like cookies. I have never met a moose I, to my great regret, have also never met a moose, mm. but I love moose a lot. We'll get there someday. We'll, we'll, we'll probably do that one some other day. Yeah, someday. But we'll start with the mouse, if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, you can send any suggestions, questions, thoughts to us at nonsensestorytime at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, s- Facebook and SoundCloud and Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Google Play, iTunes, etc., 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 and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yep. See you.